Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. My son... Listen very carefully to the advice I am about to impart unto you. There are two kinds of people in this world. Those who finish their sentences. In the words of Alex Rogers. Episode 8, Radioactive Reverie. Come to me, my friend. (laughs) Perhaps you'd like some glazed baked goods. Or some stringy, sticky toffee? Maybe I can entice you with some death. Whoa, we just began this on a morbid note. Hey, how you all doing today? And tonight, or whatever it is. Because, after all, this is Alex Rogers. Recording and reporting from a timeless zone in which your listening is the now. Well, for the time being, we're keeping it in the crib. No? No crying? Oh, good. Good. This time when I mentioned that, the baby didn't wake up or cry. Phew. Well, as I said, we're recording from the crib. Well, there went that security. Well, the main reason I'm keeping it close to the crib is that we just don't know what we're quite doing at the moment in this city of Los Angeles. And come to think of it, 
Probably many of you don't know what you're doing either, regardless of the city in which you dwell. We don't really know what's happening because uh, we keep getting put on lockdown, and we don't really know what lockdown means. Uh, so far, it's not like, There will be no walking outside your home past midnight, and if we catch you, we will shoot you on sight, whether you are going out for yourself or your family. I started out with this kind of, you know, Gestapo voice, but uh, then I kind of uh, segued into Armin Mueller Stahl, if you all know who I'm talking about. A anyone remember Shine? Not The Shining, but Shine. Uh, the movie about the uh, sort of piano genius who goes crazy, and his dad, who's this just absolutely fucking intense dude. Just that horrible music career father who doesn't allow his son to just be a boy growing up. He's that dude who just is like, you must always do what is best for your family. It, the, the whole depressing game of that film is every time this piano genius is about to break free of his family trauma, his dad older and older and meaner and meaner will just show up and go, David, before you have a good time with your life, you must remember to do what is best for your family. See, I already have a strange relationship to the word family. Yeah, it kind of starts with the fact that my own immediate family uh, lasted only so long and disbanded and was full of some upheaval. And don't get me wrong, also some wonderful blessings. It's too easy to paint your childhood as all negative or all positive. Throughout this program, you'll hear me sometimes bitch and moan about my parents, and believe it or not, I love them both very much. And it's that strange big and that we feel as children and as children who are growing up, where we both bless and blame our roots, where we both praise and curse our upbringing, and where we both love and hate the human beings who conjured our existence. How y'all doing out there? <clears throat> well, even though I like to always say that we're coming from a timeless zone, it does remain the fact that you are indeed creating the present by listening to me right now as you hear these words. That's the real time that's happening. But we'll put it this way. Upon the recording and reporting of this episode, we are officially in December of this year of our Lord, 2020. Vin, vin, double X, double X. Jacksonville, Jacksonville. Okay, that was a little sounding like Bill Burr at the end there. Have you been kind of listening to other podcasters maybe a little too much, Alex? Well, I mean, I'm trying to get my own voice. And in the beginning, you're starting to parrot others. I get it. I get it. 
You'll find your own groove soon, boy. We believe in you. Come on, guys. Let's give him the support. Let's hear from him. Let's hear it. Let's really hear it. The closing of the year. The end of all things calendar marked. We're coming to the end of this crazy ride, baby, but of course it's just the end of this ride. The ride always resumes. And you know what's crazy, my friends? I was born upon the changing of the yearly roller coaster ride. What does that mean? It means that 11.41 p.m., 1983, I came squealing, dealing, and reeling into this role, into this body, into this existence on planet Tierra. Terre. Earth. It's the only one we got, baby. And I love it. I do love this planet. I love the people on it. This planet is actually pretty good. And as much as I love the people, the people also piss me off. And I'm not alone in this. We all feel a general feeling about everyone that is both cherishing and damning. Well, well, well. This is a kind of resurgence. We've been told that there are new spikes in the virus situation, that this is the time to watch out again. Be on alert, everyone. We're recommending everyone wear their fall fashion masks, and of course, winter's coming, so don't forget those snowflake patterns. Yeah, I mean, look, I've been living my life this entire year, for the most part, since March 11th, really. Or was it March 13th? We always think 11, dude, and 9-11, don't we? Was it 3-11 this year or 3-13? I always forget. I think 3-11 is when we all sort of globally went, oh, this shit is real. And then I believe by 3-13, the grocery store in which I work started to truly implement mask rules social distancing, regulations. What's funny, too, is we're in U.S. America, and you just cannot let go of tradition, can you, baby? We have to have Christmas, even if we cough all over each other, and by the time we tear open the presents, we'll be corpses in a room full of capitalist ends. Oop, someone's car alarm is either disagreeing with me or agreeing with me. Oh, good. That was a short-lived one. Boy, nothing gets me more ground up in the gears than unchecked car alarms. Oh, really? Alex, is that the most uh, ground up you get? Is that is that it? It's only car alarms? It's not every other thing that people do? It's true. I get triggered. Bow! Triggered! I get, bam, triggered every day. Pew, pew! Because I've been working at a grocery store since March, and now we're going to be closing into 2021, how futuristic does that sound, I have gotten quite used to the mask existence. I am the masked warrior. Soy el guerrero de la mask. 
del mask de, de, I, I don't know I fucked it up the point is I have been wearing a mask for a long time now eight hours a day and some of y'all are just fucking babies I'm talking about some of y'all who really know the difference, who should know fucking better, who are old enough to know that sometimes, even in good old gravy train ride US of A, you gotta play the World War II game a little bit, meaning you gotta ration, you gotta get in line, you gotta look in the sky and hope that you're not in danger, because you don't get to keep having your fucking winter break and your yearly tradition. Because this shit won't end. Why? Well, there's lots of reasons. And I know there's a lot of different contending shit. But let's just put it this way, folks. It's not that hard to wear your mask. If I can do it eight hours a day. You think I like it? You think I like having snot dribbling down my fucking mustache into my mouth? And I'm wearing a mask over my face so I can't exactly take it off and wipe my hands. Because, oops, there I go. And I have to serve the public. What I'm going to do? Take my snotty fingers and run them all over your butternut squash? I mean, what, what are we trying to do here, folks? We're trying to get over this pandemic. We're trying to get to the next cool level. And some of y'all are just like, I want to breathe all over you. I don't like to listen. I haven't been told I'm wrong. Or I've been told I'm wrong too much. I'm dissonant. I'm dissonant. I don't wear my mask. I like to breathe all over you. Breathe all over you. My germs, my turns. I'm going to make you burn. I don't know, man. You just need to fucking wear your mask for 20 minutes when you go into a bus, into a grocery store, into any place where there are more people than your important, solitary, most essential human being to ever live on planet Earth. And I love when people go, there'll be people who walk into the store and they got their mask around their chin. Excuse me, sir and or madam, please put your mask up the proper way. Oh, well, I just, I, I can't breathe. Bitch, George Floyd can't breathe. You can wear your fucking little leopard print mask with your boss bitch logo on it and be fucking like cool like the rest of us for just a couple minutes. Is that too hard? Is that too fucking hard to just wear your goddamn mask and fall in line for just one moment? It's for everyone else. And even if you don't believe in it, let's just consider it a strange fashion statement. And it's a statement that basically says, hey, I'm thinking about more people than just myself. I, I you know, I was about to go into this whole thing about like, is it so hard well, actually, I, I kind of already did, didn't I? But I mean, a further point about it, where it's just like, why is it so hard? But that question is, is, is at best rhetorical and at most useless. Because you know why? This is U.S. America. This was founded on germs spreading. Are you out of your mind? You think people are going to fall in some other direction barely 300 years into the game? A country where probably 300 years sounds hella old to some people because, like, America didn't start till, like, I was born, like, at the last minute of last century, millennium, right? 
And you know what? Any of you fellow Americans getting all... Yeah, I'm going to shit on my country all I want. It's one of our fucking greatest blessings of this country is you get to say shit. Whether you're right or wrong, it's my platform and I'm going to shit on our country a little bit because some of this human makeup here is just smeared all over that fucking glossy ass face. The human makeup is running. We can see your mascara running down your fucking face like Rudy Giuliani's hair dye. We're seeing you fuck your lacquer, your wax museum fucking melt in front of us, America. Get your fucking act together and wear your fucking mask. God damn it. I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to be real generous. If you're like even early 20s, I'll give you a quick pass because you're still, to quote Patrice O'Neill, you're still goofy. You're still goofy at that age. But when you got some gray showing in your chin hair, in your temples, and I tell you to put on your mask and you look at me like I ruined your John Hughes romantic comedy movie, go fuck yourself. Get the fuck out of here. And now we get to the happy part of the show. (laughs) Actually, I don't know if I can even promise that much. We're just, we're in some place today, ladies and gentlemen. I don't even know quite where I am. Today's been a strange one. I'm, I'm feeling in between zones. And so are the rest of you. Don't bullshit yourselves. Come on, man. This has been such a unifying year in one way. We're all fucking facing it. No matter what you're going through, it, the grand it of our times, is making it bigger for you. Well, let's see here. Now, oh boy, this is just, uh, my life at the moment is a mess, and I do mean that quite literally. Literally, my life is a mess. Literally. And literally, I say literally too much. So do all my peers, literally. No, but uh, literally, I am sitting in um, what I described in the last episode uh, using a term from Philip K. Dick's novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? The source material for Blade Runner. Uh, it's, It's this term, kipple where uh, messes amalgamate around you and they almost uh, have a kind of sinister energy under themselves that just suck the life out of the room and you just feel powerless. Well, that's what's been happening, folks. Uh, before I get into that, I'd love to actually talk about some Philip K. Dick recommendations. And I know we always have this little giggle. It's a good, it's a good lesson. His name alone is a lesson, folks. You have some last name that might make you feel a little embarrassed, might sound like a human body part, especially a private part. Dick. Did that let him, you know, did that name get him down? Did, did, he, did he hide in the, the mists of history? No. He carved out some sunshine in that mist by writing some game-changing science fiction. You gotta be ready for Philip K. Dick as well. You never get a fully tied up, loose end, perfect bow ending. He always leaves you with questions more than you even begin with. It is mind-blowing and even a bit paranoia-inducing. He really taps into that, that meta-fear and indeed some of the most inner fears and peppered with a lot of comedy. Some really, really choicefully hilarious parts are in every one of his novels. 
I would recommend, if you want to go down a really twisty, cool tunnel of mental wonder, do some Philip K. Dick novels. They're, they're really time-respecting reads as well. Most of his novels don't go past about 250 pages, maybe 300 max. It's really agreeable stuff. I recommend... Start with, you can do Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, because a lot of you have seen Blade Runner, or you at least have a sort of elementary knowledge of that world. I will, of course, warn and entice you that the world within his novel is not exactly the same as the Ridley Scott movie. You ask me, they're both two sides of a beautiful coin. So, if you've seen the movie a lot, read the book. Have a brand new perspective, though. Uh, even if you're picturing Harrison Ford, it doesn't quite translate to how his character is written in the novel. And uh, if you can survive that one, I recommend then that you do Martian Time Slip. I think that's a wonderful, uh, uh, that's a great example of what he will often do where you have ensemble characters who all in their own way will be interconnected throughout the tale. Then do... The Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldridge, and then do Ubik. I think those are some of the finest examples of his 60s writing, which would definitely be his golden period. He gets even weirder in the 70s, and there are two great examples that I would recommend, and that is Flow My Tears, the policeman said, and a Scanner Darkly. Now, some of y'all might remember that one was made by uh, Richard, Richard Linklater, uh, and really interesting rotoscoped film. And I would say, <clears throat> excuse me, probably alongside uh, Blade Runner, uh, one of the better film adaptations of Philip K. Dick's work. So, uh, there you go. That was a little aside right there. See, that was nice. That, that you know, even, even non-maskers can get into a good read, right... Or is a lack of reading connected to a lack of social etiquette? <gasps> Tonight, we analyze the human brain. Brain, 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 brain. But yes, back to that little theme that old PKD penned, which is Kipple. This is an embarrassing confession, ladies and gentlemen. Right now, I'm sitting in a room full of what my father would very critically describe as squalor. And, uh, yeah, to, to break that word down, we're basically surrounded by my own mess. Uh, I'm surrounded by empty shopping bags discarded clothes that don't know whether they're they're on their way to a clothes hanger or into the laundry basket uh old cardboard boxes from uh deliveries uh, even uh just some books that haven't found their way back into the shelves um lots and lots of mess and junk and just kind of like it almost looks like i'm a hoarder who doesn't know exactly what he's hoarding it, it's just a kind of a, a, a nightmare of my own making. And I'm stressed out when it comes to cleaning. 
And that may sound really pathetic because, hello, you have to. This is part of the human experience. You can't live in a mess. Well, you can, and some of us do. And it would seem simple. Just pick things up, take the trash out, tidy this up, fold that, hang that. For some reason, I just get in my way and I let these messes amalgamate. And now I'm feeling kind of like short of breath and nervous and shameful and uh, kind of like I'm drowning. And I know this is something that needs to be done. Hell, before I laid down the track today, I said, hey, before you hit that record button, you got to do some cleaning. Nope. I mean, I, I, this is looking bad, folks. I'm, I'm here and, you know, reporting from the front lines of one's own psychological exterior evidence of something going awry within the soul. Man, I've just been catching myself as I go, you know. I mean, even today I came back from the doctors because my hands, folks, oh, my poor, poor, beautiful hands, the tops of them are just racked with eczema. And I've had eczema my whole life. Eczema. Is that where you smeared in eggs? No, Cindy Lou Who. It's not. Go back to sleep. Christmas is canceled. Um, yeah, this has been just some gnarly dermatological chaos going on. Um... Boy, you know what's really... This is hilarious. You ever catch yourself on a security camera inside a bus? Why is it that uh, storefront security cameras, even uh, like closed-circuit TV... Closed-circuit. Is that outdated to now say that? A closed-circuit TV. The future was written from the 50s. Uh, no, I. you know what I mean. Just like any sort of monitoring screen, the color scheme is off. It's always, it's over-tinted, over-exposed. Who knows what's going on with it? But I'm on the bus today, and I catch my hand in that uh, video image, and it's bloody red. He's been caught red-handed. You know, Your Honor, my lord, lords and ladies, we caught the man red-handed, and we thought all these years it referred to blood. No, it referred to the scabby itchy, scaly things that won't go away and keep cropping up on this poor lad's skin. <laughs> Give him some ointment. So that's exactly what I did, and thank you, um, broken uh, medical system that nevertheless does give me some form of healthcare because, uh, well, whatever. You know, it's also... <laughs> I remember um, before COVID happened, you would be in the waiting room sometimes, waiting to have your blood drawn or to get some uh, get some drugs or uh, just to be seen about that wonky feeling in the knee. Uh, and when you're sitting there, this was before COVID. Uh, I swear to God, this happened once. I was sitting in the waiting room, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I brought my own book, because, come on, your boy comes prepared. I always got something to read. But what amused me and disturbed me is that 
on the little table next to me, there were some reading options, you know, to keep you occupied before you maybe are waiting for some terrible news or waiting for your loved one to come out of there with some equally terrible news. So here's something to take your mind off of it. And remember, this is also the waiting room outside of the blood lab. So we don't want to think about too many evil things that could be happening on a microbial level. So with that in mind, here's some reading materials. Contagion, outbreak, patient zero. You're just like, ah, what is, why? Why is, is this uh, clinical apocalypse uh, uh, reading material there? Then you look up to the screen. What's happening on the screen? Oh, nothing but poisonous news that's going to polarize all of the patients politically. That'll just get your blood pressure through the roof. And then on top of that, those just mindless cooking talk show things. You know what I'm talking about? Where just some just two ugly people, a guy and a girl who just giggle the whole fucking time and, and, and talk about food like it's never been tasted before. These deviled eggs are just mm-mm yummy. Can you all say that with me? Everyone, let's all say it together. Yum. Didn't that feel good? I felt nice. You hear everyone in that room, Melanie? It's like we're holding a rock concert. (laughs) And you see just this brainless audience of everyone just applauding, just with this plastered smile going, now all we have to do is ignore the rest of our lives. Because you're walking out of there usually with $40 cash. How do I know? Because I once went to the one of these little things. Actually, it wasn't it wasn't a mindless show. It was, you know what, what, actually, it was a great day. I got to see Craig Ferguson back when he had his talk show. That man fucking killed it, too. Excellent live performer. Um, and what did I do with my 40 bucks uh, after I attended as an audience member? Your boy scored himself some weed. He didn't save that money. Are you out of your mind? It's time to get high. And then he found himself in this situation, recording from his messy-ass room, wondering why it is his lot in life to have become the procrastinator. I am the procrastinator. I don't get the job done. You had one job and one job only. You were supposed to go back in time to 1984 and kill Sarah Connor. What happened? I just, I, the weed was so good and the women were beautiful. And not to mention, of course, all of the great beaches and bodybuilding. I took my time, you know, and I didn't want to murder. (laughs) Why kill when I can just... Chill. <laughs> yeah! I am the procrastinator. Speaking of, by the way, the, the Terminator, I rewatched one and two not too long ago. I always get so nervous during those movies because I saw them way too young. You know how last episode I said I caught a glimpse of... Uh, uh, Lethal Weapon 2 when I was too young. Well, I, I caught another part 2 when I was too young. And that was T2, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. <laughs> and, you know, 
Uh, another uh, one thing that you'll notice when you watch both Terminator films, especially the second one, what the film's really about is a series of unfortunate events that befall innocent people who were just trying to do their job. Do you know how many truckers get thrown from their vehicles? They were just trying to transport goods to some company. Uh, uh, Miles Dyson, the uh, the programmer for Skynet, he doesn't know he's going to cause the fucking end of the world. And his poor family is terrorized at gunpoint by Sarah Connor. Another thing that... Uh, actually, I can't forget this because this was so terrifying. That atom bomb scene when Sarah Connor dreams of, I guess that's Judgment Day, and you see this playground full of mothers and children get incinerated to fiery ash. I mean, that fucking gave me nightmares. I kid you not, for I think about three straight years. I just, anytime I heard a rumbling in the sky, because I remember asking my parents, I was like, wait, what's happening? Because I didn't know. I was too young to know about Hiroshima, Nagasaki, or any of our atomic history, I had no idea. And I'm, at first, even as a child, thinking, well, thank God, this is just part of a movie. But then when my dad explained to me that, no, this is a real thing, that these bombs actually exist and they still exist, that's way scarier than a metal man coming after you, even a liquid metal man. Uh, and as scary as those dudes are, uh, man, just the real human horror are the weapons that we create. Oi, oi, oi. Well, after that little radioactive reverie, I bring us back once again to the most important thing, which is, ooh, she it, I have to do something about my room. So I'm going to make a pledge to you folks, and I'm going to say it, and spray it, and not naysay it, I will, next episode, be reporting to you all how the cleaning went of my room, of my bathroom, of my bedroom, where my wife sleeps, where my children come in to play with their toys. And I will let you all know exactly how this shit went down. It's going to be interesting because, once again, uh, cleaning isn't just cleaning. There, There's a weird story behind it. But, uh, bong, bong, we've reached the end of time for this program and we're going to have to get it into next time. Oh, but please, please, now, now, now. We gotta get our Z's. We gotta get our Z's and avoid the disease. So I leave you all, my sleepy little ladies and gentlemen, to go back to bed and take this into your head. Yo, wear your mask. Wash your hands. Get some ointment if your hands are beaten up and peeling off like mine. Fall in. Keep your own individual light going. Remember, the mask does not take away your identity. We still see you. Folks, all day long, I am orchestrating people's movements, their bodily patterns inside of a grocery store. I am doing that. Maybe I don't mean bodily patterns. That's probably chemistry doing that work for me. Let's just say the movement genesis is uh, facilitated by me. Nope, 
Genesis isn't the word you mean either. By the way, speaking of Genesis, you know what would be so fucking funny? You know the, the lamb lies down on Broadway. And the lamb lies down on Broadway. You've all heard that at some point. What if the band, when they were touring with that, they had to change it depending on where they were? Uh, no matter how lame the street was. So if they weren't in New York or wherever they might be saying Broadway, they had to change it. So they'd be like, the lamb lies down on Main Street on Charnock Avenue on White Chapel Court Lane. Uh, folks, keep on singing. Keep on humming. Keep on keeping yourself a strumming, and keep that drumming into tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow. I wish you all a pleasant eve, morning, afternoon, whichever time you find yourself in this moment. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your rhyme. In the Words of Alex Rogers is a podcast orbiting the mothership of Wild 7 Studios. Music by Inca Rose. Keep your ears open for storyscapes, simpin' after dark, and other audio goodies from Wild 7. And keep your eyes open for its first feature-length film, Debbie and the Devil.